Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today I look at the highly successful documentary on Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, still going strong at the age of 85. And the film is currently showcasing on CNN. It's called RBG. Nine wine expert Haley Hamilton Kogel. To pair with RBG, let's toast some of our favorite strong female winemakers, along with the wine that RBG loves to drink. <laughs> Plus, WSET diploma holder and Master of Wine candidate Vanessa Conlon from WineAccess.com will join us to talk about what's popular among wine drinkers right now. We'll ask about some of her personal favorites. But first, Gary, let's talk about this documentary. I, uh, uh, I loved it. I'm over the moon on this film. Yeah. And it did play in theaters um, and, and was highly successful. It did for $14 million in theaters as a documentary. It's fantastic. I think, I think the, uh, um, the Mr. Rogers documentary is the only documentary that's made more money than that. But that's an enormous amount. It's 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And as we know, we watched it on CNN because mm-hmm. we were waiting for this to come out mm-hmm. and to have it. On, and it came out on Labor Day. And I, it's all about women's rights. Well, it's about a lot of things. It's about her. And I have some questions for you, too, about your life based on what I saw in this movie. But she grew up in an all-men's world, highly educated, extremely smart, was the first at Harvard to be in a certain group in the, in the law department. You see all these men, and then you see this short little diminutive <laughs> yeah. woman yeah. on the end and probably smarter than all of them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really uh, was the first, or, or served 25 years on the Supreme Court so far. She works out every day. She plans to stay another five years on the Supreme Court. I think this is a big Oscar contender. It's directed by Betsy West, Julie Cohen. But fighting for women's rights in the 70s, that's not long ago. And it, it, it bothers me that we're still dealing with a having lot of things. Having these conversations, exactly. You know, it's, we're having a lot of conversations in our culture, in our world right now that, like, you know, it's, there, there's so many big step backs going. Right. But what impressed you about her the most? I just found it really interesting to, to first learn more about her life, but that she really was breaking, she was breaking down the walls. And I, and it, it is, it's, I think I've said many times on the show of, of just talking about female winemakers, the fact that I have to actually point out the word female, it's not just a winemaker, that, that we still are in a time that like to find a strong female winemaker or to find a strong female anything is, 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 is difficult. Yeah, we do that with filmmakers. Well, and, and Oh, she's I mean, a female filmmaker. I think I, yeah. I read an article from, actually, yeah. it was like the Dallas Business Journal um, last week that that there are are a handful of male doctors in Dallas right now that are, are you know, saying, well, of course we make more money than, than female doctors. Of course we do. And, and uh, you know, and their whole thing is that they work harder and that they put in more hours and women just spend too much time with with their patients. Well, thank you. As as a female patient, I I appreciate actually having a conversation with my doctor instead of having you spend two minutes with me and 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 making me pay a. All right, that's a completely bill. sexist comment by it, these doctors. It's, well, and it's, it's and ridiculous. That's, and, and again, I'm I, yeah. the fact that we're having these conversations and that we have to continue to point out the fact that that a female is anything. I think she one of her kind of first. Uh, groundbreaking decisions or rulings was was or was trying to get women just to be in a jury and you know at one point i'm like oh i don't have to sit on a jury that's not no wait it's my right to sit on jury Mm -hmm. i don't want to have a whole bunch of of men deciding 
some sort of something. If if somebody is is on trial, then why why should it just be a man that decides the fate of that person? Yeah, it's it should nonsense. Be, it should be anyone. It should it doesn't right. matter. Also, if you're you know black, white, blue, or green, everyone. If you are a citizen of this country, has a right to to be a part of that process, mm-hmm. and. So that, you know, kind of conversation. And I did like how they they kind of talked about her and her whole women's rights movement in the same um, context of what Martin Luther King Jr. Right. had done and, right. and, and kind of bringing in that full circle story. And a lot of that at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. I'm fascinated by her because she argued before she was on the Supreme Court, she argued in front of the Supreme mm-hmm. Court multiple times, and they were all men. Mm-hmm. And she had, she, she was determined to get them to see, to not see gender. Mm-hmm. Stop looking at gender and stop, you know, and, and also that we're, you, you made this comment a minute ago about um, guys, men deciding everything for women. I mean, that's what's going on today. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the, getting more women in Congress, getting more women in the Senate, getting more women involved. And this is a banner year, I think, for that, because a lot of people are just fed up. We just need more representation of who we are as a culture. Well, and that's just it. Take a snapshot of, of, of who the people are sitting around you, and do they look like the people that are representing you? Yeah. And I'd say right now... Not, not really. <laughs> well, when, when they all got together and had that big celebration party about the tax cut, yeah. you know, the makeup of everybody in that photo was basically all white male, yeah. f- predominantly, yeah. just about, not, not 100%, but 95%. So I'm fascinated by the film. I think this is an Oscar contender. And when, when all this shakes out uh, later on in the fall and getting around December and January when this stuff shakes out, I, I think this is going to be in at least the top 10, and I hope it makes the top mm-hmm. five for the Oscars. It was a Magnolia picture magnolia yeah well with cnn and and that would be todd wagner and mark cuban and they make really good films they do really really great documentaries yeah they do they did they won the oscar for enron smartest guys in the room and i think they did man on wire i think they did man on wire which is one of my favorite documentaries of all time so let's let's talk about wine here well and i love it that that rbg is actually a big wine drinker she's um said a few times that she uh that she's a big Opus One drinker. I guess that all of the 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 jurors, um, when they have dinner parties, they all bring a bottle, or the or the chief justice brings brings his favorite wine, or and I guess one at one point um, Opus One was was brought, and she decided she liked that. Which you know, can you can you blame her? Because yeah. it's basically Robert Mondavi and and Chateau um, Baron Rothschild, Mouton, isn't it? Mouton Rothschild, yeah. yes, to um, Philippe uh, de Rothschild brought uh, kind of their their culmination of the best of Napa Valley, kind of bringing in old world classic um, kind of character and technique with modern innovation in Napa Valley. And to this day, I think, you know, it's as, as Napa Valley wines have changed, um, it's still one that will always be kind of a, a, a hallmark wine. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you you drive down the road, you see that see winery the, there. It looks the, like a pyramid. It does, which is also very yeah. interesting because you think of, of old world chateau and with and here's this very yeah. very modern um, structure. And, and if somebody wants to open a bottle of uh, of Opus One and invite us, we're fine. And with we, that. I'd be, I'm okay, I'm, with, I'm that. okay with that. Yeah. And, and that's but um, 
<laughs> so that's one of her favorites. So okay. kind of that's a fun thing to, to, you know, a little factoid to, to think about. But what also made me, and, and what we kind of alluded to at the beginning of the show, was just the, um, the fact that we are still pointing out female winemakers and why female winemakers are are something that aren't as common, especially, uh, you know, in old world wine regions. Back in the day, vineyards and wineries were passed down from generation to generation, but always to the sons or always to the husbands of the daughters. Like the, mm. and, and now, thankfully, that has changed. We've seen that with Antonori is, is probably one of the, the most recognizable ones because the, the daughters are now running that incredible property and all of their different labels within, um, within the portfolio. Um, but you know, I just kind of made me think of, of some of my personal favorites and, and some of, of the, the women that, that really have made changes. We've, we've seen so many, especially, um, in Napa Valley, so many great women and, and as well as Sonoma kind of rise to, to the pinnacle of mm-hmm. making both incredible wines as well as highly rated as well as award-winning i mean you think about what heidi barrett did with screaming eagle that's probably the the biggest aha of of how how strong women can you know their their palates are i would say sometimes much better than than men's and they're also have the finesse and the the ideology of of I can do I can do this just as well as anyone and I can make something that will be both very drinkable as well as well as give you all the structure and all the character and all the the kind of uh, terroir that you look for in great wines Catherine Hall is another one who who owns Hall and Walt wines consistently shine in their approachable styles Robin Lale kind of carried on her father's legacy um, and her Lale wines. Um, and That's you, great wine. It's just beautiful wines. And, you know, then you also think of, we've talked about Jackson Family and what Barbara Benke has done within that entire portfolio, as well as bringing in her family and her daughters. Um, Gina Gallo is another one who, who kind of carried on her family's historic presence, working with her siblings, but also being an incredibly talented winemaker in, in her own right with her, um, with her Gallo of Sonoma Cabernet and Chardonnay and, and raising twin girls and being married to Jean-Charles Boisset, which I'll say is probably just... That's a handful that's, right that's there. A, that's a full-time job right there. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, you look through this and, and it is great, I think, at least in, in the U.S. We are seeing more and more um, across the world as well. Um, but women, women have really done well and continue to shine in winemaking here, which... Yeah, you know, nice, if you learn nice anything today... By listening to this podcast, you've learned that Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court loves Opus Opus (laughs) 1. Just take that to the bank today. When we come back on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, a conversation with wine expert Vanessa Conlon from WineAccess.com. What is she drinking now? And what wines would she recommend? And what do you think is the best wine movie ever made? We will be right back. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been sharing our latest wine discovery with you, the listeners. It's called Wine Access. We want you to know what makes Wine Access so special. It's their impressive portfolio of small production, premium quality wines from passionate winemakers. Often, these wines are really, really difficult to find. 
Wine Access makes it so easy to find these delicious handcrafted wines that you're going to love, and they are from all over the world. I love their philosophy. I love that the barrier to the world's finest wine isn't the price. It's access. From the smallest vineyards to iconic winemakers, Wine Access never settles in the hunt to find extraordinary wines that often over-exceed expectations. Wine Access is a team of wine experts. They taste thousands of bottles every year, from well-known wineries to those little small hidden gems from all over the world. Yes, the Wine Access team only selects the very best to offer us wines that over-deliver in value, tasting as though they cost twice as much, and they share the full story with you, where the wine comes from, the story from the vintners and the winemakers and the families behind the wines. And that's why we want you to try Wine Access too. So we've arranged an exclusive limited time offer. You're going to get 20% off these great wines that already over deliver on price. And you can order as many bottles as you like. But to take advantage of this offer, you must go now to our special URL. It's wineaccess.com slash Cogill. This offer won't last. Order now to get this fantastic 20% off deal. For full details, go to the website, wineaccess.com slash Cogill. Yeah, let's do it. And you can go right now, wineaccess.com slash Cogill, C-O-G-I-L-L. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Now, from Ruth Bader Ginsburg to our next guest, she's one of four experts who personally taste and test and recommend the quality wines found on WineAccess.com. She's a master of wine candidate. She's a Napa insider. Please welcome Vanessa Conlon. Well, hi, Vanessa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure and uh, honor to be here. Uh, And say hi to Haley, because you guys can talk wine probably all day long. Hey, Vanessa. Pleasure to meet you. You Haley. too. You too. <laughs> so, Vanessa, I have, I have uh, the first question uh, today is what is, because we're kind of curious about you, what is a typical mm-hmm. day of wine tasting like for you when you work with Wine Access? Are you tasting 500 bottles, 10 bottles, one bottle? How does that work for you? Great question. It, it really depends on the day. Um, one day a week, we meet as a team. So I'm the head of wine here at Wine Access, but I have been a team of amazing um, vice presidents of wine. And so we, that's actually today. So it's the middle of my day. If I sound, uh, you know, not all there, we've been tasting a lot of wine already. Oh, so we I got you at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, in the course of a day, you know, during our judging panel, we'll taste, yes, you know, can be 100, 200 wines. Um, beyond that, I do a lot of visits to suppliers, so I'll go to wineries. I do a lot of travel for wine, so just within the last year, I've been to um, Australia, Spain twice, Portugal. I'm leaving for South Africa on Friday. So a lot of what the wine tasting that I do is actually out in the field. And then every once in a while, I'll just stumble on something, let's say, at the store, or I see it on a restaurant list that intrigues me. And if I really love it, then I'll sort of go on a search to try to to try to find it. So all this tasting is for the goal of finding the, the most amazing, great values for quality of wine from around the world, and then offer it uh, through the Wine Access uh, website. That's awesome. It's it's yeah. so much fun, and I agree with you. I think that when you get into into the vineyards and you meet the winemakers and you have that experience, it just becomes so much more personal, and it becomes so much more interesting and 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 then it's like when you find that little hidden gem it's 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 so special to then be able to share that 
So I think absolutely, that's... and and the whole model here at Wine Access is we write an extensive story about every single wine that we offer. And so the closer that I can get to the the winery or the vintner or the land, the better I'm going to be able to tell that story. Um, and I, I'm really passionate about wine. I hope that's coming across. And I like getting people excited about wine. Um, and to me, this sort of fulfills a side of me um, that I grew up with, which is that my parents are both classical musicians. I thought for most of my life I was going to be a classical musician. And often around the dinner table, we would have this conversation of, you know, classical music can seem sort of elitist or like you have to know something before you even walk through the door. And like, how can we get people to not be intimidated um, and take that first plunge? And so that's kind of the way I approach these stories is I want to bring you into this world. I'm not trying to exclude you from this world that you'll never understand. But how can I tell you through through these stories why this matters and then why you should buy it and, and, and hopefully enjoy it as much as I do? I love that. That's fantastic. So, Vanessa, I know that you are on uh, your one of your roles on the team is that you're kind of the Napa Valley insider. And I've obviously seen you guys sell quite a bit of Napa Valley wine on mm-hmm. on the website. So what what kind of drew you to to Napa for every great region that's out there? What kind of made you the Napa insider? Well, I uh, when I got into the wine business, I was actually living in uh, in New York City on the Upper West Side. Met my husband there. Nice. And, you know, we love New York so much, but kind of ready for a lifestyle change. But also, you know, I was a blind buyer there. And what I was missing was that connection to the land. I really wanted to be around the vineyards, you know, in the production. And so, you know, in the United States, there's, there's, this is the place to be. It's, you know, it's so beautiful. And, um, we had visited many times and loved it. We actually got married out here, even though we were still living in New York City. So we moved out here in, in 2010, and it's an amazing community. It is. It is a beautiful, beautiful region. Okay, here's a personal question for you. What was your aha wine? Was it a Napa wine? Was it a wine that, uh, the one that made you or decide to get into the industry? What's your aha moment with it? Was it a glass that you had at one point? Was it a particular it, bottle? <laughs> so I did not have one glass or one special bottle that just sort of drew me in or blew my mind. What blew my mind was before I was, you know, in the industry, I was still thinking I was going to, you know, be a musician. But, like, I just like there's something interesting about wine to me. I just thought it seems like it can connect you to so many places around the world and so many different types of people and cuisine and history just in this glass, but I didn't know anything. So I, um, I signed up just for like an amateur class at the new school in New York City. And I went into my first class and I came home and I had like a notebook full of this information that just was so cool. And I just thought, I'm never going to be bored again in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> It's, so that it's, was my awesome moment. It's fantastic when you can figure out how to make your passion into like your profession. It's it's pretty special, and that's I think one of the the most fun things I agree with you about wine, and, and is that the conversation will never end, and and you'll always be able to you'll always be able to have a new a new story. You guys sound alike. <laughs> You do. Well, you have similar cause, stories. Because yeah. that's the whole... Long lost sisters. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the fun of it. It's it's the... That if you're not passionate about this and realizing that 
that this profession is is not at the end of the day is not glamorous, and that's where I really appreciate what you were saying about classical music, Vanessa, because I think that that mm-hmm. wine is so so similar that it, everybody thinks it's this very fancy, um, unattainable kind of of product, and at the end of the day, it's farming. It's not. It's not Absolutely. as glamorous as as I think so many people want to make it, and it's because often they're you know when you have a two hundred dollar bottle of wine, it seems very glamorous. But at the end of the day, so that's somebody who's putting their their hands in the dirt and 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 getting dirty and and absolutely tasting I mean, the land. We started harvest out here in, in Napa, and you, this is when you really realize it's an a absolutely beautiful tourist destination. But in the end, you know, I'm on the road every morning with you know people driving out to the vineyard to pick i mean this is an agricultural community i have a question about movies for you because we have this discussion constantly what's the best wine movie ever made and i mean there's not a ton of them you know we love psalm uh people love or hate sideways uh, best year is kind of a little personal favorite yeah. uh, bottle shock is always up there on the list but for you when you watch movies and you think about wine, what, what film jumps out for you? You know, you've named so many of, of the, the great ones. Um, I, I love the song movies as well. I think it's really, those have given an insight into how hard people work in this industry and how much knowledge, you know, people um, can acquire if they have that desire and that passion. Um, so I really like those. I really, I remember watching, um, uh, like Mondavino mm-hmm. uh, and many of the you've said, I have to say, I really love Bottle Shock. <laughs> we do too. We do too. He ended up becoming Captain Kirk. That's right. <laughs> you know, and I miss out. We miss I've Alan Rickman. Many times that I will watch it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's it's such a great story. I mean, it's kind of a a funny. You know, the the portrayal of everything is a little bit funny, but it's 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 really the story that that put Napa on the map. It was already mm-hmm. obviously well on its way, but that was kind of the aha moment of, okay, this is some really good juice and it is really special. So I, I we want to know, I think that movie sort of captures also this collaborative community spirit of, of vintners here and that, you know, all ships ride with, with the tide. Yeah. Uh, and, and that people really banded together, you know, then, I mean, Robert Mondavi was such an amazing um, proponent of people helping each other. And I've been to other wine regions where people sort of hoard their information from each other. And, you know, there's going to be one person in every community that feels differently, but in general, people here are very open. I mean, I did sales and marketing for wineries for many years, and we would routinely host people from other vineyards and, and, and wineries and show them exactly what we were doing, you know, uh, and then they would re- return the favor. And, and I think that's how this community has really, um, you know, distinguished itself is that collectively we've shared this knowledge and it's benefited everybody. And, you know, you, you can taste it. I think you're, you're exactly right. I think that that's what makes it such a, a fantastic place. If one succeeds, we all succeed. Let's, you know, put the put the name on the map. What kind of, so you said you guys had been been tasting a little bit earlier this morning. So how, mm-hmm. what, what's the, what's the new great, great finds for wine access? Any, any previews you want to give us? Any little sneak peeks that we, we might know about? You know, there are a couple of regions that I think we're all pretty excited about. Um, Portugal as a still wine producer. Absolutely. We've had a couple, you know, wines recently that have been really impressive. Um, I'd say, you know, Victoria in Australia, 
Um, they're doing some really cool things, just, you know, really pulling back on, on, on the sort of ripeness and getting this great freshness that, you know, Australia as a whole maybe wasn't always known for, but um, they're really, really um, doing some amazing things. So those are, those are two regions I'm excited about. Um, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm going to South Africa for the first time on, on Friday. I've never been to the wine oh, regions there. Fantastic. So I'm so excited to gather information and, and come back and then be able to present those wines in a more knowledgeable uh, fashion when I return. We can't wait. We can't wait to, to see what, what the outcome is. It's awesome. Thank you. Hey, Vanessa, real quickly, are, are people mm-hmm. under the age of 30 drinking differently than people over the age of 30? I believe they are. And I would say it's, um, you know, not a, I'm not making up this information. I think if you look at the buying trends of the younger generations, you know, they're, they're more triers than buyers. And I think, again, speaking as a Napa, um, I don't want to say insider, but someone who's worked on on the winery side here, um, it's making everybody here sort of look at how they're going to stay relevant. You know, for a long time, uh, people were mailing list buyers, you know, and you would get your sort of allocations when you were told you were allowed to have them. And we'll ship them when we tell you that we're going to ship. And we'll, this is exactly how many you can have. And I think this under gen, under 30 generation, to your point, I, I think they want to try a lot of different things. And I actually encourage that. You know, there's a world of wine out there to explore. And, and I think, you know, the more adventurous you are, the more rewarding experience you're going to have with wine. Uh, hey, we can't wait to someday share a glass of wine with you. Yeah, Vanessa, thank you. I can't wait as well. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us and and giving us some of your insight. This was fantastic. Just a great conversation, Vanessa. Thanks. Well, thank you. I hope we can continue it sometime. May the force be with you. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) And also with you. (laughs) Proper response. Thanks, Vanessa. (laughs) Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, more great films either in theaters or on demand, along with wines and pairings worthy of celebration. For more on the films and the wine we talked about today on the show, be sure to follow our blog on cogillconsulting.com or through Facebook. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, always looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Aloha. <laughs>